I'm calling my name My God is so much bigger Than troubles I face Why would I hunger For power, riches, or fame Oh, cause my God is so else we're going to read psalms uh we've been going through psalms 119 um in segments because it's so long so today we'll be doing 73 through 80 your hands made me inform me give me understanding to learn your commands may those who fear you rejoice when they see me for i have put my hope in your word i know lord that your laws are righteous and that in faithfulness you have afflicted me. May your unfailing love be my comfort, according to your promise, your servant. Let your compassion come to me, that I may live, for your law is my delight. May the arrogant be put to shame for wronging me without a cause. But I will meditate on your precepts, that those who fear you turn to me. Those who understand your statutes, may I wholeheartedly wholeheartedly follow your decrees that I may be not be put to shame. All right. And then let's stand up and do the Lord's prayer. Our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. You may be seated. What? No, stand up. Please stand up. <laughs> no, sit down. No way. Please stand up. 
Well, we're going according to age. If you're older, <laughs> you can sit down. If you're young, you gotta stand up. <laughs> oh, okay. Silence. Great morning, a little bit of sun.
Jesus Messiah 
music with us here, right? And I didn't hear a whole lot of people clapping. Let's give the Lord a clap for that, that music with us here. Amen? Praise God. That's good. Anyways, thank you guys for praying for my wife. Uh, she's had hand surgery and she's doing a lot better than she was last weekend, I'll say. So, she's doing good. And one thing I'll say is sister back there went to Israel and brought me back a bag of dirt. <laughs> what about that? And a rock. And she said this dirt came from uh, Capernaum. And you know that's where most of the apostles were from. They were from Capernaum. And who knows, Jesus may have walked on this dirt. How about that? So thank you for that, sister. I appreciate that. So what we're going to do now is uh, do communion. I'm, I need to shut up. But anyway, this is the time we do communion. You guys got your little packet with the, the bread and the wine. So I'll read you some scriptures about what the Apostle Paul said about it. If I can, read, if I can see this. Or anyway, this is what he said. For I have received of the Lord... getting old here. For I have received of the Lord that which I delivered unto you, that the, the Lord Jesus, the night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. And after the same manner also, he took the cup, when he had supped, saying, this cup is the New Testament in my blood. That that you do, often as you do it, you drink it in remembrance of me. So that's why we do this. We do this in remembrance of the Lord. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he comes. And I guess we're going to do this till he comes, right? <laughs> so we do it every week, and we, we, we look back and and remember what Jesus did for us at Calvary when he died. So his body was broken, and, his, and his, uh, it gave his blood for our sins. And that's why we do this. So let's bow our heads and we'll pray. Father God in heaven, we thank you for this opportunity, Lord God, to, to look back at Calvary, to see what you've done for us. And we give you thanks for it. And we do this in remembrance of you, Lord. And we give you the praise, and we ask it all in the gracious name of Jesus. Thank you. 
Good morning. And happy Mother's Day to all you mothers. Okay. Um, if you will see me after church, I'll be back here in the uh, foyer there, and we have some little Mother's Day gifts for you guys. So we appreciate you all. <laughs> okay. We have announcements. We have Matthew 25 Ministries. We have pill bottles that we are collecting. Um, they can be over-the-counter or prescription. You can leave the tags on them or take them off. It doesn't matter. Um, they use them for ministry here in the States and outside of the country. We have next ink cartridges that we use. Um, if you're done with your ink cartridges, don't throw them away. Bring them to church, and we can use them to help defer some of the cost um, for office supplies. Okay, next we have the food and clothes pantry. Uh, we are running a little bit low on some of the food. A lot of people are going through some hard times right now, and um, we are seeing new people come in, you know, with hardships. So if you would like to bring in, we need macaroni and cheese, and spaghetti and spaghetti sauce. So if anybody would like to donate some of that, um, those are a couple needs that we really have down in the pantry. Um, like I said, people are going through some hard times now, and, you know, God has blessed us so far that we've been able to help everybody that comes in, either with clothes or with food or both. And um, it's just a real blessing. It's every Thursday from 5 to 7, so if you'd like to come work, you know, Believe me, you will be blessed by helping others. Okay, next we have the empty nesters. We're going through the book of Galatians, and uh, it's been very interesting, eye-opening. <laughs> so, uh, ladies, yes, it's just for the ladies. Um, it's at 10 o'clock at Ruth Liming's house. So if uh, you'd like to come join us, come on over. Okay, refit. I'll tell you what. Christy will lead you into some exercises that will get you hopping, get you jumping, get you praising the Lord. And at the end of it, we have a devotion. So um, if you want to just come out, whether you just move a little bit or move a lot like Christy does, <laughs> um, come right on out. It, it's a lot of fun. Okay, we have a new ministry that we're starting this month. Um, May 22nd is our first month, and we're going to do it through the end of the year, and then we might extend it. But um, once a month during uh, the rest of the year, we're going to Mellon Ridge Nursing Home, which is right up the street, and we will do, be doing um, a worship service there. So if you'd like to come and worship, I know I'm going to go... Uh, Derek, I know, is preaching the first, I believe, the first week. Um, and then if you want to preach or, you know, try your hand at it, come and sing. We'll even let you do a special if you want, you know. So uh, I'm sure they will appreciate it all. And uh, so come on out and have some fellowship there. We will provide a little lunch before we go there. Um, so we'll fellowship here a little bit, and then we'll go over to Mellon Ridge and... Um, Praise the Lord again. Okay, tithes and offering, there's a box back in the back. And uh, just feel free, if God leads you to um, put some money in there, put some money in there. Okay? All right. You guys, silence your devices and have a good day. And Danny, it's up to you now.
Sorry, I'm buffering. Uh, so I just want to wish all the mothers, all the grandmothers, all the church mothers, anyone who mothers in any kind of form, happy Mother's Day. Um, well, we all have this in common. If it weren't for our mothers, we wouldn't be here. In fact, Jesus was born of a mother without a human father. This is the part of the sermon where all the moms look at the dads and say, Jesus didn't need a dad. (laughs) My mother is here today, and she is a huge reason that I follow Jesus. If it wasn't for her continual prayers, her example of working so hard in following Jesus, I wouldn't be here. Also, my wife, Sarah, is such an amazing, selfless, loving mother. She has dedicated a huge portion of her life being an amazing mother. God has used her as well to shape our boys and even me. There's a lot of things that the world tells us about being a mother and what that even means. The world may influence mothers to compete with each other, bragging about what their kids wear or activities they do or the abilities that their kids have. You know, the whole, my kid's better than you. My kid's better than your kid. The world may influence moms to do selfish things or even deny the role that they have in their family. I don't want that to influence us. So I'm going to go to the source, our maker God. He has given us a ton of information through his word. Before I get started, let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for the moms in this world who are following you faithfully. Often they do so much and don't get credit they deserve. Also, thank you for the moms who haven't quite given their lives to you. I pray that they would give that you would give them eyes to see and ears to hear so they can find their purpose, which is so much bigger than this world, and that they can know an awesome creator who has been here since the beginning. Also, I pray for all of us that we celebrate this way, this day in a way that makes you happy and honors you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So I'm going to title this message, Lessons from the Bible Geared Towards Mothers. I would like to start out with a psalm from a king. Then I would like to go through a story of a godly mother. This psalm gives us qualities to look for on becoming or staying a godly mother. I'm going to start out in Proverbs 31. Just to give you some background on this psalm, this is a king sharing wisdom that his mother taught him. I think this is really cool that this wise mother has made such an impact. Now there are Bible studies all over the world using these instructions to be better wives and mothers. The lives we live as parents have the potential to affect Way more than just our families. 
That's why it's so important to get God's instruction on parenting. If God leads us, we can't go wrong. Now, this is geared towards wives and mothers, but a lot of this is applicable to all. And I know as I was praying and trying to seek where to go with this, and I came across Proverbs 31, I know there's like a million Bible studies that often women use on this. And I thought, ah, oh, you know, it's usually so feminine and stuff like that. Um, God, how can you use a guy to like present this? You know, I felt like I was going to read it. And at the end, I'm going to be like with tears and like, I need to go to my husband or something, you know, like <laughs> I didn't know where God was going to lead us on this one. But um, as I read this and studied this out, I realized how much we all can use this. So we're going to be in Proverbs 31, starting at 10. Feel free to follow along if you like. A wife of noble character, who can find one? She is worth far more than rubies. Her husband, full of confidence in her, lacks nothing of value. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. She selects wool and flax and works eager with her hands. She is like the merchant ships, bringing her food from afar. She gets up while it's still night. She provides food for her family and portions for her female servants. She considers a field and buys it. Out of the earnings, she plants a vineyard. She sets about her work vigorously. Her arms are strong for her task. She sees that her trading is profitable and her lamp does not go out at night. In her hand, she holds a distaff and a grass spindle with her fingers, which I think are tools to make like clothing or something. She opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy. When it snows, she has no fear for her family, for all of them are clothed in scarlet. She makes coverings for her bed. She is clothed in fine linen and purple. Her husband is respected at the city gate where he takes his seat among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them and supplies the merchants with sashes. Now I'm going to pause here. Did you notice that this mother works making investments? In my house, we have been very blessed. My wife has been able to stay home and really sow extra seed in the development of our kids over the years. We have been blessed financially to do this. And this has been amazing for us. But this isn't the only way to be a godly mother. In this passage, this ideal woman is working in the home, bringing profit or outside the home, bringing profit, which indicates it is okay and that there isn't any command in the Bible that indicates that mother can't, mothers can't work outside the home. One of the main points we can gain from these last few verses is that self, the selfless effort of this mother, she is putting the time and effort to care for her family. She works really hard so she can give needy to the needy, and even giving to her servants. 
She is clothed. It goes on to say, she is clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. She speaks with wisdom and faithful instruction. It's on her tongue. See, this godly woman is wise. She carefully chooses her words. She has things to say and people listen, especially her kids. Goes on to say, she watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children arise and call her blessed. Her husband also and praises her. Many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Honor her for all that her hands have done and let the works bring her praise at the city gates. See, the world teaches us that mothers or potential mothers should charm or lure men with beauty. The word of the Lord teaches us men should chase after a wife who will fear the Lord. The fear of the Lord that will motivate her to be able to be generous and take care of her family. The way of the world is that everyone should put priority on looks more than godly attributes. This also puts temptation for women to prioritize looks over godly behavior. Parents, we need to teach our kids not to act this way. We need to live this out, especially if you want your kids to follow it. These passages are relevant to all God's children. And like this passage reads, we need to recognize these godly mothers. If you have a godly wife or mother, tell them how much you appreciate them for the things they do. Give her props for her hard work. This is even something I need to get better at. And I feel like I'm probably not alone. The next part of the Bible I would like to go to is 1 Samuel 1. I think this may be my favorite mom of the Bible. Her name is Hannah. Hannah is the mom who knew what to do when she was deeply troubled. So let's go into her story. Starting in 1 Samuel 1, 1 through 20. There was a certain man from Ramathium, a Sufite from the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah, son of Jeroham, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zoph, and Ephraimite. He had two wives. One was called Hannah, and the other was Panina. Panina had children, but Hannah had none. By the way, from the context clues of the New Testament and the Old Testament, it was a big disgrace not to have kids. People could make you feel really awful about this. So back to the scripture. Year after year, this man went up from his town to worship and sacrifice to the Lord. Almighty at Shiloh, where Hophni and Phinehas, the two sons of Eli, were priests of the Lord. Whenever the day came for Elkanah to sacrifice, 
he would give portions of the meat to his wife, Penina, and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he gave double portions because he loved her. And the Lord had closed her womb. Because the Lord had closed Hannah's womb, and her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. Remember, Elkanah was giving Hannah special treatment because he loved her and felt so bad for her. This went on year after year. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her till she wept and could not eat. Her husband, Elkanah, would say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you downhearted? Don't I mean more than ten sons? Once when they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now Eli was a priest sitting on his chair by the doorpost of the Lord's house. In her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. And she made a vow saying, Lord Almighty, if you would only look at your servant's misery and remember me, and not forget your servant, but give her a son. Then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life. And no razor will ever be used on his head. As she kept praying to the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. Eli thought she was drunk. Eli And he said to her, how long are you going to stay drunk? Put away your wine. Not so, my Lord, Hannah replied. I am a woman who is deeply troubled. I have not been drinking wine nor beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant as a wicked woman. I have been praying here out of the great anguish and grief. Eli answered, Go in peace, and may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked for him. She said, may your servant find favor in your eyes. Then she went her way and ate something, and her face was no longer downcast. So do you see the evidence of faith? She believed and lived out her faith. That's what we call walking out your faith. When you believe and act as you've already obtained your prayer. This is evident because she broke her fast and her appearance completely changed. It goes on to say, early the next morning, they arose and worshiped before the Lord. Then they went back to their home in Ramah. Elkanah made love to his wife, Hannah, and the Lord remembered her. So in the course of time, Hannah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel, saying, because I asked the Lord for him. I just want us to think through this passage we just read. Hannah, who wanted a child so bad and was deeply troubled. We know it wasn't because of her husband, because her husband loved her and gave her a double portion of meat. Being sensitive to the fact that Hannah was barren. 
Now, her husband didn't totally get it, though. He said to her, am I not as good as ten sons? I and many husbands could learn from this to listen to our wives and grieve with them when they grieve. And really, that could be a lesson for anyone. Paul teaches us in Romans 12, 15. It says, rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. So whether it's a spouse or a friend, we should be ready to change our attitude to help others. Even reading this story today, it can be hard to grasp how Hannah felt. So let's see a show of hands. How many of you today have been dealing with your husband's other wife that is rubbing it in your face that she can have kids and you can't? Not a whole lot. So that situation can be kind of hard to relate to. So I want you to think of something that deeply troubles you. And if this thing would happen, you would not eat. It would make you cry in such a hideous way that people would think that you are drunk. Out of all this pain, something amazing happened. Something so Christ-like. First of all, Hannah knew who she needed to go to. She knew she needed to go to God. She knew that God would hear her. You can tell that in this story she knew that. Just by the way she prayed. Here's the amazing thing she did that changed her prayer. She told God she would give up her one and only son. If her prayer was answered. So she's ready to give the one thing she wanted so bad away before she's even got it. She made a promise that a razor would never be used on his head. By the way, I'm glad, Mom, you never made that promise because my hair just grows out the side way faster than the top. Second, she would dedicate him to the Lord for all the days of his life. Which means he would stay in the temple with the priest. And I'm not sure how it was with Hannah, but I know with my kids, when they were young, I had all these expectations of what we would do, all the amazing memories we would have. I thought I could teach them all kinds of things like wiring and what to do on a car. Uh, Imagine what kind of fun experiences we would have. But Hannah gave that all up for the Lord. She gave the one thing she wanted to God. And after that, God remembered her. Let us not underestimate what she did and follow that example in our prayer lives. What would happen if we would pray saying the one thing that deeply troubles me, that I wanted so bad, I'm going to give it to God. While this prayer is going on, God uses Eli the priest to bless her and let her know her prayer is answered. And with the proper response to that answered prayer, Hannah broke her fast, went home, and worshiped the Lord. Now the Lord was gracious to Hannah, 
God exceeds Hannah's expectation by giving her three sons and two daughters. Because she kept the word and devoted Samuel to the Lord. Samuel turned out to be an amazing prophet. He heard from the Lord in a time when words from the Lord were scarce. He also was the one who anointed David to be the king, which out of the lineage, you know, that's where Jesus came from. Not too bad. Samuel was one of a kind. When Saul was king, he sought a lady to summon Samuel from the dead because no one had the gifts and relationship with God like Samuel did at that time. Hannah had to be so proud of what her son came to be. Now, as I was preparing for this sermon, sermon and reading about these amazing mothers, you could almost get the feeling that everyone should be trying to start a family. So I just want to address this important question that you or someone else might have. That question is, should I be starting a family? First of all, the Bible is clear that you should be married first before starting a family. So to answer that question, we should ask ourselves, should I get married? In 1 Corinthians 7, 32 through 38, it reads, I would like you to be free from concern. An unmarried man is concerned about the Lord's affairs, how he can please the Lord. But a married man is concerned about the affairs of the world how he can please his wife and his interests are divided. An unmarried woman or virgin is concerned about the Lord's affairs. Her aim is to be devoted to the Lord in both body and spirit. But a married woman is concerned about the affairs of this world, how she can please her husband. I am saying this for your own good, not to restrict you, but that you may live in the right way, undivided devotion to the Lord. If anyone is worried that he might be acting honorably towards the virgin he is engaged to, and if his passions are too strong and feels he ought to marry, he should do as he wants. He is not sinning. They should get married. But the man who has settled this matter in his own mind, who is not under compulsion but has control over his own will, and who has made up his mind to marry the virgin... This man, this man also does the right thing. So then, he who marries the virgin does right, but he who does not marry her does better. So Paul explains that it is better not to marry because you can fully devote yourself to the Lord. But he also explains, um, if not being married is going to cause you to sin to get married. And that it's not a sin to be married. So in fact, you're not any better single if you're not devoted to the Lord. So before starting a family, we should be asking ourselves, how will this affect my devotion to the Lord? Or is being unmarried going to cause me to sin? Now, I do want to talk about the fact that sometimes devoted godly women also don't get their prayers answered as Hannah did. Sometimes God's plans are tough. Often, God has had a different plan for our lives than we do. You may think, God still does miracles today, 
So why doesn't he give me a child or anything else we think that we can't live without? Or maybe you are hurting because you have lost a mother or have had a bad experience with your mother. Or maybe you are a mother who lost a child. I want you to know God does care. You can tell this by the compassion of Jesus. Remember, Jesus wept even though he knew Lazarus was going to be brought back to life. Jesus' heart went out to the mother who lost her son in the town of Nain. Here are some verses for those struggling on Mother's Day. 1 Peter 5, 6 or 7 reads, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxieties on him, because he cares for you. And then also in Psalm 46, 1 through 3, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in our time of trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth may give away and the mountains may fall into the heart of the sea, though the waters roar and the foam and the mountains quake and the surging is, uh, quake in their surging. In closing, in this story, Hannah was brought really low before she had victories over her enemy. We might have victory on this earth, or we might not have victory until we get to heaven. I can tell you, the children of God will have victory when we meet God. It will matter how we handle our troubles on the earth. When we meet God, it probably, or probably all the things that doesn't make sense will make sense. Or who knows, we might not have the ability to even care about those things when we meet our most amazing being, our creator. Now we will give you guys an opportunity to come up for prayer as we close out in this last song. If there's something in the message that you wanted to respond to or talk to, um, one of our team members will be up here. Uh, But before they start um, the music, I'm going to go ahead and close in prayer. And I'm just going to read Ephesians 3.14 and steal Paul's prayer. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derive its name. I pray out of his glorious riches that he may strengthen you with the power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love, may have the power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably 
more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is in work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Please stand. This is my 